What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Coming up on episode 220 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Rivian R1T, the Mercedes-Benz EQS 450+, Plus, the Nissan Pathfinder, Ford Maverick XLT, uh, Ford's Illuminator crate motor, Rivian goes IPO, uh, and much more, all coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 220 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abual Salmon from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin, and let's go with an outlet I just started writing for. Let's say uh, Motor One. And I'm Roberto Baldwin, and this week yeah. I'll be TechCrunch. The crunchiest of techs. The crunchiest of tech. No smooth tech, just crunchy tech. No, just crunchy tech. Like a delicious <laughs> granola. Granola <All> technology. <laughs> All right. Nicole, what do you got? I actually, the vehicle I was driving um, yesterday, I can't talk about yet. Womp, uh, womp. Womp, womp. I, I, I mean, you guys know it exists. We'll talk about that one next week. We'll talk week. about the Jeep Grand Cherokee next week because that's why I was out driving Moab. Um, but what I, the vehicle I have this week, I've only just gotten today, which makes it a little hard to talk about my full drive experience in it. Um, they parked a Nissan Pathfinder in my driveway this afternoon, which I actually drove on the launch program a little while back. So I've already had some time to drive it. Um, you know, it, it's neat. It's it's a nice it's an, like it's weird having just been in another big SUV going from that one to this one. Um, this is definitely more affordable. It has some off-road chops, but it's not something you're going to go rock crawling in. You know, this is like a family hauler. Um, I I'm pleased with it. I mean, this it's a solid upgrade from what it was in the previous generation. So I think they made good moves forward. Um, one of the things I love about it is the center row, uh, the second row, if you have the captain's chairs, the center console, it completely like lifts out. You kind of just reach back and you can do it because they're like, well, you can just reach back from the front seat. I'm like, well, sure you can six foot engineering dude, but can I reach it? So I reach back there. And you can, yeah. It's not like you have to like dislocate a shoulder to reach it. You really can reach back there and just pull it right out. So it's, it's a good choice for that, you know, the family that wants the extra seating, that wants a little bit more in an SUV, but doesn't necessarily want to bank, break the bank by spending an absolute fortune to get a car. Um, I'm, but you know what? I'm a fan of Nissans. I think a lot of people aren't a fan of Nissans. Like they think they're sort of, are you guys fans of Nissan? I feel like sometimes people just sort of harp on that, that the quality isn't good enough. And I, I actually um, like, I think they're good for the price I, that you're paying for a Nissan. I think you're getting a good deal. I'm a fan of the there's Nissan a, there's Kicks. There's a lot of value there. Yeah. You're a fan of what? The Kicks? Yeah. The Kicks is the best Nissan so far still. I like um, the Kicks. I think it's uh, for the price, like what you're getting. It's a good little car. It's a great little first car. It's a great second car. It's just a nice car if you need like something small to get around town and still yeah. has that little, you know. I think I think the with the Kicks and as they're sort of 
the rebirth, I think, of Nissan, because I think for mm-hmm. a long time, everything was super old and yep. super boring and super not great and super in all the uh, all the rental fleets. I think they're 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 getting up there. They've eased that, <laughs> haven't they stopped? I think they stopped with the rental fleet thing now. But this, I think the thing with Nissan is uh, that they're I really they good. Did. They're a good value proposition. Like this one, there are four trims you got um, that you can do four wheel drive. The base trim starts at thirty five three ten. That's not a bad price, you know. That's that's reasonably affordable. It's not going to require you to take out a second mortgage. Um, when you get up to the top trim, even with that, you're only at, I believe it's like forty eight thousand dollars. Which again, it's getting up there, but it's that's you know less than you'll pay for the base model of many a three row vehicle. You know, it's 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 still pretty affordable. That's, that's kind of like the same. Price spread is a you know a Hyundai Palisade or a Kia Telluride, right? So it's you know so it comes in an affordable thing. Um, power it's got a three point five liter V six, two hundred eighty four horsepower, two hundred fifty nine pound feet of torque, and it gets a new transmission this year. It has a nine speed automatic, um, which. You know, it's so funny. I remember when I first started doing this many years ago in the dark ages, I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Who cares whether it's a five speed or a six speed or a seven speed or a 150 speed? I don't care. <laughs> and like it didn't, and now, now having driven where you're like, oh, like it, you don't, you don't realize how much of a difference the transmission makes in how a car drives until you've actually had the chance to say, oh, here's an old one. Here's something with only a five speed mm-hmm. and here's your nine speed. And oh, that's the difference. It, it mm-hmm. makes for a very smooth even power delivery so you you get rid of those sort of like you don't feel the shifts as hard as you would in a, in other cars this one's really good it's actually very smooth which is sort of what you want in a vehicle that's just basically this is a family car or family suv you're going to be taking your family around you're not you know it's not a race car it's not going to be climbing over mountains it's something you want to be comfortable with for kids for you driving around and it nails it on that it really does so i'm I am a fan of the Pathfinder. I think it's good. It's got good room for cargo. Um, you know, it has a good range of standard safety features. So, yeah, I give an A plus to the new 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. <coughs> okay, I have an assignment for you for the before the next time we gather together. Okay. <clears throat> and I want I want you to go into that center console, that second row center console. Oh God, yes. Fill it up with all the sort of typical detritus that you would find. In a family hauler after a okay. few months of use. So I need to find a couple of half-eaten like chocolate bars or something, some tissues, some random hair ties. Um, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah all, all, all the usual stuff. And yeah. then get back in the driver's seat and, yes. and pull out that center console and see oh. what happens. You know, see if stuff falls <laughs> well, out all over the place. I get that. Okay, so for if you're someone who just like tosses all the random in there, but I think you know what though, I think if you're someone who's going to be removing that center console, it's not something like, oh, I'm removing it today, but I'm never, like you're probably doing that. Like you're probably like you you would know that you're going to do that. You it's not just like an on the fly thing. So you have to have a little bit more care with what you store in there. Well, except don't I be mean, so you know, you sloppy, you can, Sam. You can pull it up from the driver's seat. You could. But don't be so sloppy, Sam. Be nice and neat and tidy. Well, I'm not anymore because my kids are grown and out of the house. (laughs) But, I mean, I remember what it was like to have young kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, yeah, it's... If you you put a couple of kids in that second row in those captain's chairs, that thing is inevitably going to get filled up with all kinds of stuff. Okay, see, but I'm the, I am, well, my kids are older now, too. They're not at the age where I have to worry about all that stuff. But I was still the mom who had everything so 
tidy and neat in her car, unless, except for the McDonald's toys that always littered the floor. But, like, the console and stuff, like, everything was nice and neat and organized. I had a little Ziploc baggie with napkins, a little Ziploc baggie with extra straws. Wow. I was, I was that, yeah. It's a good thing I, I didn't was... show you the in- the interior of Julie's car when you were here. <laughs> Uh-oh, when I've been horrified? <laughs> Yeah, no, but that would uh, yes. be true if you had a lot of stuff in there. And I, you know, and even with the one hand thing, if you decide to put an anvil in there or something, I mean, you're not going to be able to lift it if you pack it full of stuff. But if you're just, you know, using it for light stuff and you're more organized than <clears throat> Sam is, it's going to be just fine. <laughs> well, just fine. my car is organized because it's so small. There's nowhere to put it. There's no storage. Yeah, you can't store anything in it, so it's all good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Now we know why you bought it. The truth comes out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like if you buy smaller. Okay. If you buy smaller plates, you eat less food. It's that sort of thing. Like if you buy a big plate, you're like, "Well, I gotta fill this with food." <laughs> if you buy a smaller car or a smaller plate, you put less stuff less in there. Less food in it. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that theory applied to cars. That works. Yeah. If you have less room, you can put less crap in your car. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically keep a tidy car. Just don't get anything with storage. <laughs> don't get any storage because you're just going to no put storage. stuff in it. You're just going to put stuff in there. It's going to be a mess when you lift up that console. Get a Miata. Actually, as is Everyone. the thing, the answer to everything yeah. is Miata. Miata. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Robbie, what have you been driving? You know, stuff. Uh, so <laughs> the... Uh, Okay, moving along. I wrote some stuff. Um, So I finally got a chance. This is I got a very small, you know, window of time in this vehicle, but I finally got a chance to drive the uh, Rivian R1T, their electric pickup truck. Yeah. Um, They're having like a drive first mile program here in the Bay Area, where uh, potential buyers or current, um, I guess, deposit. Deposit holders? I don't know. People who are buying the thing, they can go out and they can drive it for about 30 minutes on uh, sort of like an on off-road course. You know, there's some just regular dirt roads, but also you can go up a steep hill, down a steep hill. It was really muddy because it's been raining. Um, and um, I'm going to say, as a, whenever you get into a vehicle um, from a new automaker, there's always something that's not quite, you know, that's a little off. Because it's new. They don't have decades upon decades upon decades of experience building vehicles. This is the first time. You know, it's a f- so the first time you do anything, you know, there's probably going to be some issues. Um, I was really impressed at how well put together the vehicle was. I was impressed how well it drove. Um, again, I only had like 30 minutes in it. Um, I was impressed. Uh, you know, it has that... F- those four, um, it's all-wheel drive, and every wheel has its own little motor. Um, and the torque vectoring was great. Um... It has, you know, it has the, um, like, one pedal driving, and they had it on a steep hill with some mud. And if there was just enough of a rut, I could get it to just sort of stop without using the brake, which is nice. So if you've ever done any off-roading and you're going down a steep hill, you know that you can't stomp on the brake because then you'll just slide down. And once you start sliding, like, well, there you go. All all bets are off. So then you're always sort of feathering the clutch and trying to, like, keep it in first, trying to slow down and kind of back and forth between the brake and the clutch, brake and clutch, you know, uh, brake and the accelerator, just sort of to to adjust your your speeds. Uh, More and more vehicles now have uh, a descent feature that actually slows the vehicle down uh, using the engine. Uh, But, you know, it was, it was, it was, it, it drove really nice. Um, it was comfortable. There was room in the front and the back. 
they had like that tent set up thing, so I got inside the tent for a little while in case I ever want to go over landing. And then they had the big stove, you know, the, the pull-out stove. And I that always w- think those are so cool. It's very have, cool, but it's also I like... I have no need for it. Like, yeah, why would I ever need that? But I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> it's a very expensive... I think it... Well, what is the price? Hold on. I found it out. Oh, it's God, like it's five grand, I think. Yeah, it's it? like $5,000. What is it? Yeah, it is. It's $5,000 for the camp and uh, for the little camp kitchen. Yeah. I, I guess if you're going camping all the time, or you're going to use it all the time, may, I guess it's worth it. It's very expensive. Um, I mean, it's impressive. It's like a little, it has a little like uh, tub and a little sink, and you get water, and you have a. Little, it's, I mean, it's all very nice and impressive, but five thousand dollars—that's more than like a stove in your home. And I know you can take it places. Unfortunately, you can actually take it out. So you see, you, the stove in your home is not portable. I can't just like wheel that into my truck. So that's worth you could the extra you just like plop it on top, premium. plug it in, get an electric just stove, just plug it in the bed. Just get a dolly, you know, haul it out of the yeah. kitchen, you know, haul it roll out, it out stick it in it the back of the bed. Totally easy. Totally the same. I just saved exactly. you four thousand one hundred dollars. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. But but what's, what is nice is I found out. I'm like, can you just take that thing off? And then just have the sliding uh, uh, gear shuttle. Can you just have this gear shuttle? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can take this. So if, you know, the months at a time you actually don't need to be hauling around uh, a kitchen, you can take it off and just have the gear shuttle. You put things in, it slides into. um, Yeah, overall, I think, you know, it's it's a I'll, I'll have a better idea of how much I like it or don't like it once I get more than 30 minutes of time. Uh, behind the wheel, but um, I was impressed. Um, it felt nice. Again, um, with the, especially with these events, especially when you're trying to get people to buy it, you're going to bring the best one you have. You know what I mean? You're, well, we have 10 of them, and eight of them are the best ones we have. So let's bring those over. And when it comes down to actually building and manufacturing, and this is the issue that Tesla always seems to run into, is like once you have to make a bunch of them, that's when, you know, panel gaps and issues with things falling off and whatnot. And again, new company. We'll see how it sort of shakes out. But uh, overall, yeah, I was impressed. Cool. And then um, I am currently driving the Mercedes EQS 450 Plus. Ooh, plus. Plus. That makes Um, it better. I drove this uh, vehicle and the 5... Shoot, what is it? 530? July or August? 580. Yeah, I I drove... uh, this vehicle and the 580 version, the, the, the all-wheel drive version, in Switzerland a while back. Yeah, July sounds about right. Um, so this is the, uh, the the less powerful, I guess you want to say, uh, rear-wheel drive version of the EQS. And so the starting price is $102,000, which isn't cheap, but still cheaper than an S-Class, which is sort of insane. Um, the version I was driving, $122,000, um, anything Mercedes, BMW, once you start adding things onto it, it gets very expensive very quickly. Uh, 350 miles of range, um, which is nice. It, it supports plug and play. I went to the Electrify America thing. I plugged it in. It just started charging. Yay! I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to use my Electrify America <laughs> account. Um, and so that was really nice. Uh, it's, it is, uh, I think it drives better than the S-Class because it has an oh. EV powertrain. And so that means you you reduce vibration, you get rid of any sort of extra sound. It's all gone because you just have this nice, smooth EV powertrain. Um, It's the rear-wheel drive version. It's not that I don't think most people need all-wheel drive in an S-Class unless you live somewhere cold. Maybe it's going to snow. 
And uh, it, this one has does have the gigantic hyper screen, which is the most expensive um, option for this vehicle, and it is seven thousand two hundred thirty dollars. How much a, is it? Wait, seven thousand two hundred and thirty dollars. Now, and within the screen, wow. there are three displays. There's your there's your uh, dash cluster display. There's the infotainment touchscreen display, and your passenger way over on the other side gets a 12.3 inch uh, display as well. These are OLED displays. They look beautiful. It has all the fun lights that Mercedes-Benz has now, all the uh, sort of LEDs and stuff inside the car. So at night, it feels like you're in a rave. Um, But what is funny is that that passenger screen, so me and my wife are driving to do whatever, and she's like pushing buttons, and you're like, oh, there's a browser. So she tries to use the browser. You can't use the browser unless the car is in park. Even on the passenger screen? Even on the passenger yeah. screen. The, is the passenger screen like 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 a privacy thing? Like can the driver see it or just the passenger? Like if I look way over there, I could see it. Like have, my you wa- driven the, have you driven I mean, the you, Grand Wagoneer that has that screen? Like you can, Unless you're like in the lap of the passenger, you can't see it in a Grand Wagoneer. Oh, because it has the sort of, yeah. Because, yeah, like you have to be like. No, nah, they don't have the, 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 uh, the sort of uh, tinting. They don't have because, the. Because you could be distracted. I guess. Roberta, but it's terribly distracted so by what her can- search of the internet. She can like adjust the you know so the what, media. What can the passenger do? You can do the media. You can do navigation. You can do all these things that you can kind of do if you just look left to you know a few inches. And it's a around. lot. I mean, just think about that. Look straight ahead and move your eyes to the left. That's a lot of work. Like, ugh. I feel like I have to work out looking to the left right now. Especially when, you're do, especially when you're in the passenger and you have so many other things you should you be have doing. so many things you have to focus on. It's like now I have to move my eyes left. So, so, so we're driving to we're, – we're going to go buy records because we're, we're those people now. Um, we're going to go buy some records, and my wife's like trying to get – she's like, well, this is just dumb. She's like, because I can just get online with my phone. <laughs> Why? She's like, it was just a bigger screen. And now we're parked. I'm getting out of the car. I'm not hanging out in the car. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's what the passenger screen does. I think there's. Okay. Well, you're selling that. I really I know. want that $7,000 option. It's going to be hard to say no. It's, a, it's, it's sort of a weird thing. Um, I'm going to test that some more. Um, I think those screens in the back are cool because then you can adjust the navigation and the media and all that stuff because you can't reach the front. That makes a lot more sense when the right. when yeah, those screens are in the sure. back. Yeah. When it's the passenger screen and it almost mirrors what's happening in the screen that's just a few inches to the uh, to the left of it, and then you can't use the one thing that you can do on it that you can't do on a regular screen <laughs> when you're driving. It's like, <sighs> okay. It does have a giant that, compass that though, all the time. When it, when there's no one there, like the default is just a giant compass, so you can see which way you're going. So I end up looking so, over there. I'm like, oh, I'm going southwest at 12 degrees or some some. Well, it'll make it easier when your GPS does stupid things that's saying like head north on Main Street. And I always think to myself, if I knew which direction north was here, I probably <laughs> wouldn't need to be using you right now. <laughs> exactly. That drives um, me nuts. So so I assume that means that the passenger also can't watch a video on that screen while the car is in motion, right? Probably not. We haven't I haven't gotten to that point yet in my in my testing, but I'm pretty sure you cannot. If you can't if you can't just surf the web on there, yeah, I don't think they're gonna let you watch yeah. like, you know, a video of what you know, cats. Cat videos, I guess. So. Cats? Oh, you mean like random cats. I'm like, who watches cats? I'm thinking the musical. I'm like, really? <laughs> the movie Cats. That's all that's available in the new uh, Mercedes-Benz EQS. 
either watching it. cats it's or cats. you're watching nothing. That's it. That's all you cats get. Cats and that's it. Cats and that is it. Uh, yeah. No, I like the car. You know, I liked it in Switzerland. I like it now. Um, we'll, we'll uh, yeah, I'll have a review of it on Engadget in like a week or, or two. I don't know. Just uh, depends on how long it takes him to edit the video. And bucks. Yep. All right. Um, I had the uh, 2022 Ford Maverick XLT Hybrid in Cyber Orange. Um, I had it for a whole week, and uh, quite a few of my neighbors were surprisingly interested in this. In fact, my my next-door neighbor on one side already has one ordered. Uh, It's scheduled to be built next week. Uh, They got an XL, the the base model. Um, So it's the absolute... (laughs) <laughs> stripped down version of it, which means they don't get any cruise control in it. Um, the one I had was the XLT. <clears throat> and in general, uh, this is the one that, this is the, I mean, typically, you know, the mid-level trim is usually the sweet spot anyway for pretty much any vehicle uh, if you're going to buy something because it, you know, it's got, it's usually got all the equipment you you really want on there. Um, and it, it's you know it's usually still a pretty reasonable price in the case of the maverick um that means that the uh the xlt uh starts at uh, where to go here um it starts at 22280 as the msrp uh plus the $1,495 delivery charge which is absolutely ridiculous wait 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 um, how much you know, it's <laughs> Fifteen hundred bucks for delivery. Fifteen hundred dollars, and you live like down the street from Maverick. You should get a discount. Well, no, actually, the the, the, Ma- oh, the wait, Maverick the... is is built in Hermosillo, oh. uh, uh, okay. Hermosillo, Mexico, with the Bronco Sport. All right, uh, but still, you know, fifteen hundred dollars. It doesn't matter if you live in San Diego. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, these I mean, we've talked about this before. The delivery charges. What's are just the highest delivery hand, charge you know? we've come and up the... with since we've been obsessing about delivery charges? The. The Wagoneer at two thousand dollars. Two thousand. I think because the Grand Cherokee is uh, seventeen ninety five, so I figured that had to be pretty up there too. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. You could fly to Mexico and drive home and save money, and they spend less on airfare and gas. Uh, No, except they still charge you the delivery charge, even if you get it from the factory. What's the point? So, (laughs) so you know, this is this is something they need to change. They, They need to, you know. Um, force automakers to include the delivery charge in the MSRP. I mean, if it's not has optional, any, just don't there, break, don't bother breaking it Has anyone it ever talked, I mean, I, I honestly have never asked this question. Why are, is it just a, a way of getting extra cash or is there a stated reason for why delivery charges? Has anyone ever asked an OEM why they're getting so high? I haven't. I'm going to now. But have, I, you, have you guys ever asked? I, I have. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they will tell you, you know, that I mean, it, it used to be that um, back in the day, long, long ago, that they act, the delivery charge actually was it did vary depending on how far you were from the factory. Oh, you know, so did it if, really? You know, for example, yeah. Um, I mean, this was back in the up until the early nineties. Um, no kidding. You know, it, for me, you know, if I was getting a, a truck from for, the Ford Rouge plant, you know, the delivery charge might be three hundred dollars. But if that same truck was being delivered to California, it might be fifteen hundred dollars or thousand dollars, whatever. Um, but uh, somewhere in the mid '90s, I think they huh. they changed it and just basically figured out, okay, here's what the average charge is across the board. We're just going to charge everybody the same. 
But what they should have just done is when they did that, just roll it right into the MSRP. Because if you can't, if you can't opt out of it, then just That's, put it yeah. in the price of the car. Yeah. That's how much it costs. There's no so, like, yeah. It's not yeah. like, like, hey, I'm not paying this delivery charge at the dealership. And they're like, yeah, you are. Yeah. You want a car, you are. <laughs> so, so the, um, the, the truck I had had the, the cyber orange paint, which is uh, four, uh, was it 400, uh, 400, uh, 100, sorry. Yeah, $495 option. Mm. Um, and I think it's definitely worth it. Well, well worth it. You I'm know, on the so fence you, you if could, it's worth it. You'll never miss your car in the. I like that paint a lot. You'll never a lot. miss it in the parking lot. That's you'll, true. You'll, you'll you'll always find it in the parking lot. It'll always stand out among the sea of silver and gray cars. Yeah. And like the like the F150 so, I uh, had a few weeks ago. Once a year, you are so seasonally appropriate driving around in a yeah. pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. You can <laughs> always find your car. Um. Yeah. This also had uh, the. Uh, uh, Floor mats, um, the Copilot 360 package, which is $540, and the $500 spray and bed liner. All told, uh, including that delivery charge, it came to $25,440, which I think is still quite a reasonable price. Mm. Uh, you, know, this, you know, this is a much more reasonable size truck for the vast majority of people. If you're not towing a big camper trailer or a boat, uh, you know, this is probably all the truck you really need. And, you know, this one had the hybrid powertrain. It's front-wheel drive. Um, I took it out on a mileage run. <clears throat> I averaged 41.5 miles per gallon with this thing. Wow. So, nice. you know, 25 grand, 40 miles per gallon. You, know, you, can't, you can't beat this. You know, it, it's, it's actually a really good bargain. Sam, and you if you get the that? XLT, you do get cruise control. Have you driven the um, Santa Cruz? I did drive the Santa Cruz uh, during the Mama Rally a few a couple of weeks back. So Santa Cruz um, or Maverick? And dun dun dun. Yeah. Um, I I mean I think I would personally probably go with the Maverick. Okay. Uh, you know, especially you know at the base price point, you know the the Santa Cruz you know has some some extra features. Uh, you know, I mean, it start, the Santa Cruz starts at 25,000 and goes up from there. Uh, you know, and, but it doesn't have, they don't have a hybrid version right now. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the, the base version, the base, you know, front wheel drive, 2.5 liter, uh, I think it, it's rated about 26 miles per gallon. So, you know, if you're concerned about, you know, fuel costs, the, the Maverick is a lot more fuel efficient. Um, the, you know, the, the Santa Cruz is certainly more stylish. You know, it's a little less trucky looking. I mean, it's it's basically a, a Tucson with a bed. Uh, you know, with the back end cut off of it, yeah. and a bed. Um, but um, you know, I mean, they're both really good. I, I think it basically comes down to you know, kind of what you're looking for in terms of design. If you want something more stylish looking, you know, I think the Santa the Santa Cruz is definitely an excellent choice. You're not going to go, you're not going to go far wrong with either one of them. Um, but uh, you know the the Maverick is so much more fuel efficient and, uh, you know, it, it's got some neat touches, you know, a lot of nice little touches, like the way the door handles are cut away. The arm, the door armrests are cut away oh, I love so that. you can put in tall water bottles in the doors. Uh, you know, the, the notches in the bed, you know, so you can install, 
stuff, mm -hmm. you know, either, you know, buying accessories or making your own accessories, you know, and Ford gives you all the instructions to build your own bike racks and things like that. Um, so there's just a lot of nice little touches. And also the storage inside under the, the rear seat. Uh, you know, you can flip up the rear seat and there's a big storage, you know, hidden storage bay under there. So you can put all kinds of stuff in there too. Um, so just, you know, it's really well thought out. Um, you know, it's the ride quality is, um, you know, it's not plush. I wouldn't, wouldn't call it plush. You know, it's not, it's not bad, but it, it's, it's a little bit stiff over some bumps, but it's, it's fine. It's, it's acceptable. I've driven a lot worse. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think if you're looking for, you know, something that's a really good value and you want that, you want extra utility, you know, I used it, I had done some tree trimming and I had a whole bunch of brush, uh, sitting in my yard, uh, that I was just waiting to get a truck to haul it out to the township compost site. You know, I was able to stuff all that stuff into the bed there and take it out there. You know, it's great for, for things like that. You know, those kinds of jobs. Um, you know, oh, another, another nice detail is the, the tailgate, you know, because it's a smaller truck. Um, so you, it's not, it's not wide enough to put a four by eight sheet of plywood in between the wheel wells. But it will fit in the bed above the wheel wells. But what you don't want to do is stick, you know, a sheet of plywood or drywall in there, uh, you know, that's on top of the wheel wells and leaning down towards the back, you know, with the tailgate out. So they have, uh, you can take the, the, the cords for the tailgate, you can take them off the regular pins and put them on two higher pins. So the tailgate basically sits up, you know, is angled uh, at like about a 40 degree angle so that when you put something across the wheel wells and the tailgate, it sits flat. So it's not going to slide out the back. So just, you know, a lot of really nice, thoughtful touches. Um, and, you know, you can also step up to the Lariat, um, you know, to get that price, that price point, that low end price point though, you know, the, this thing is, you know, hard plastics everywhere. It's really well, well, well done plastics. You know, they're nice, nicely textured and they, you know, the colors are good. It looks good. Um, but it's, you know, it's not luxurious. So, you know, you can take a Maverick and max it out to, I think almost $37,000 if you get the, the two liter EcoBoost and the, the towing package and all wheel drive and all the other options. But, you know, really, I think in this mid twenty thousand dollar range is is the sweet spot. You know, if you want if you want something more, you know, there's I think there's other options at the higher end of the price range. Are you, oh, I thought you were putting your hand up for a question. Oh no, that was <laughs> yeah. I have a question. I have I'm a question, Sam. My dog fell asleep in my left arm, and now my left arm is asleep. So I've shuffled him to the right arm, and now I'm stretching the left arm. So continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's all I got on the Maverick. Um, I like the Maverick. I actually agree with you. Uh, I think that between the, I feel like the Santa Cruz is a little bit more car-ish, you know, if you mm -hmm. it a little, mm -hmm. but that the, the Maverick, if you want a truck, but you don't want to have to do the, the great big truck and you want to be affordable. I love the ability to be able to do things like, like you said, you want to Just create a second level. two by fours in there. two by fours and a piece of plywood. You have two levels and you can partition Boom. it off. And yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So I, I agree with you. I'm I'm uh, I'm very excited. And you could probably fit about twenty bags of mulch in oh. it. Oh, oh! We, we need to do mulch tests. We need to just show test. up in the spring. We need yeah. to all get big cars, mulch, and count how many goes into whatever we're carrying. <laughs> <laughs> like that baseline will be the X type. I'll get a pal. 
How yeah, many, get a pallet. I'll, I'll get a pallet of mulch sitting in my driveway. And we'll be, uh, we don't we'll just need all every that week we'll use it to test exactly. the cars. Just bring it back out, reload it. It'll be your workout for the week. Load the mulch in, load the mulch out. You're all done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right. In uh, some of the news items of the week, um, last week, uh, as we record, was the uh, annual SEMA show. It was back uh, live in Las Vegas again. That is the Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Association. Uh, it's where they have all kinds of interesting aftermarket stuff. Um, and uh, one of the last couple of years, GM has shown off a couple of concepts um, where they took old GM vehicles, I think. Was it last year they did uh, an old uh, early 70s K5 Chevy Blazer? Um, and they put uh, what they call their E-Crate uh, package in there. So the E-Crate package, which they have promised to put on sale, but have, I don't think are, have actually put on sale yet, is essentially taking a Chevy Bolt uh, electric motor, battery pack, and power electronics and a wiring harness and selling that, uh, you know, as part of their aftermarket, you know, they, manufacturers, most manufacturers sell crate engines. Um, and this was, uh, intended as an electric crate motor, uh, powertrain for doing resto mods for converting older vehicles to electric. Um, and, uh, uh, this year Ford, uh, did one. They took, uh, a 1978, I think F100 pickup truck and, um, they put, um, part of the powertrain and put the essentially put the powertrain from a Mach E GT in there. So it had the it was four wheel drive had the the two motors from the Mach E GT, um, and uh, they put together a battery pack with a few of the modules from the Mach E. It's using the, the same modules, so 480 horsepower, 634 foot pounds of torque, um, and uh, I think the this uh, truck had uh, forget here. I think it was about 100, 140 miles of range or so. Um, and they also announced that they were going to put uh, the, uh, their elect Illuminator electric crate motor on sale through Ford Performance uh, so you could order one. And I guess they had a limited number of them to sell in this first batch. And they, they sold out within a couple of days. How um, many? Does and it say it in here how 3, many? 3,900. They did not say how many. Okay, um, I thought they had thirty nine hundred. Yeah, thirty nine hundred dollars for the motor, uh, which you know when you if you compare that to you know buying something like a Coyote V eight uh, motor uh, crate motor, you know I think those go for about eight grand. Uh, so you know it's not a not a bad price, and yeah. you know this is a you know it's a got a lot of torque. Um, you know, and if you wanted to do something like what they did with this F one hundred, you'd need two of those. Uh, to get that 480 horsepower, but uh, you know, what, you know, what, what do you think about um, you know doing these electric resto mods? I love electric resto mods for a lot of reasons. A, I want to do one. B, um, I, you know, I own my first car was a 69, a car from 1969, which meant that it broke down constantly <laughs> just all the time just like things would just break i was always having it was dual carbs so i was always adjusting the carburetors which is fun and i look at me i'm a cool car guy but then you're just like i just want to go somewhere i don't want to go <laughs> i just want to do things you know I, I i had more i was more excited about going places than um uh 
than, than, than working on the car. Um, and so the idea of being able to take an old car and put an EV uh, powertrain battery, the whole shebang drivetrain in there means that you don't have a lot of that sort of work that you have to do. I mean, you're still going to have to tweak it because, you know, you're, they're, they're, there's probably going to be some suspension tweaks you're going to be working on for, for months. Um, and then if you're using the uh, transmission, which most people are still using the transmission because it's easier just to hook up the electric motor to the uh, existing transmission instead of trying to come up with a transaxle and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, you're still going to have to you, know, you still have to, to, to deal with that and make sure you don't destroy it by, <laughs> throwing, you know, taking off in first gear all the time. Um, typically you take off in second with these. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, and you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a fun way to take, uh, you know, the, the desirability and design and sort of the fun of an old vehicle and making it a bit more, um, just sort of drag it into the future and make it so it doesn't break down quite as much. And most of the time, you know, when you have these older cars, you don't drive them, you know, you don't, a lot of people don't really drive them on long road trips and you don't, you know, you don't do all these like super long, that's, that's what your Honda Civic is for and your, your Accord and your RAV4. And that's, that's what that is for. These are for cruising around town and showing it off and, and you know, it's cool and going yeah. to a local little car show at the park or the, the, the parking lot at Target or something. Yeah. Yeah. And every once in a while doing burnouts and then wrecking your car at Cars and Coffee. Don't do burnouts at Cars and Coffee. That's my other Never thing. Never do it. <laughs> Because Never you're do it. Fate. You're, you're going to fate wreck. You do. You're going to wreck your car, and mm-hmm. you're going to put a lot of people in danger, including yourself. But that all said, I think I I, I really like the resto mod EVs. Um, I'm a big fan. Um, if you don't like them, that's cool. I mean, you know, it's your car. Do what you want. Whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I found I found the um, the GM uh, project that they did this year for for SEMA. Uh, they uh, it was a 1957 Chevy. Uh, it was one that was originally um, done, uh, it was bought by Hot Rod magazine back in the mid-1960s uh, for 250 bucks. It was called Project X. And so Pro- Hot Rod had done a bunch of stuff with it. And so this year, uh, Chevy Performance and Motor Trend uh, collaborated on elect- taking that same car, uh, the Project X car, and electrifying it. And they put... Uh, a 340 horsepower motor in there um and uh oh, the original one uh had a supercharged v8 in there uh and so they they put a 340 horsepower electric motor in there and about 30 kilowatt hours of battery so that 340 horsepower motor is one of the new altium motors so this is one of the the three motors you'll get in the hummer ev so if you get a hummer it'll have three of these in it um and um, they they put one of them in this '57 Chevy, which is probably more power than it ever had originally, uh, by quite a large margin, and uh, certainly more torque. Uh, and uh, you know, this would make a you know a, a pretty cool weekend cruiser. Oh yeah, it's not going to have that big loud V8 sound. I mean, that's 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 what you're losing, and that's kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, you can buy a stereo system and just make us make that noise. You can just, like, just the install some of, speakers like, and the sound into the cabin to make it yeah. sound like your car has a better engine than it does to give you fake exhaust in yeah. there and all that stuff. Do the same thing. Just do the same. Blah 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 blah. Uh, you know, on the other hand, you know, a lot of the cars you see cruising these days, you know, have giant stereos in them, pumping out, you know, 
thousands of watts of bass. You know, so you oh, can't yeah. hear the engine anyway. This is true. Or, or everyone's done that. It, it doesn't matter. Everyone's done an LS swap. That's like the answer to every problem is like, well, what an LS swap. Okay. Which sort of like defeats the whole like, well, you got to keep it, you know, <laughs> you got to keep it like it was. Well, when, you, when you're throwing LS swaps in you old cars, not. you're not keeping it like it was. You're, you know, yeah. you're doing something insane and fun, yeah. which is kind of the whole point of the car, of, of old car culture is you're doing just this weird, insane thing that is part of who you are. Like none of these cars came out in purple or teal. They didn't have chop tops. <laughs> they didn't have all these like weird things that people have done to, to, to hot rods over the last forever. Um, and so, you know, just, this is just another uh, uh, element of that. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Let's uh, <laughs> stick with uh, electric for a moment. You, you mentioned uh, driving the Rivian earlier. Um, earlier today, as we record, mm-hmm. um, Rivian did their IPO. Um, we don't usually talk about uh, um, financial stuff. The but um, they, <laughs> they They sold their shares um, at uh, a value. Uh, the initial... IPO valuation was like $78 billion, you know, which was Good just God. shy of what Ford was worth today. Um, and they've barely delivered a handful of cars, a handful of trucks so far. They also raised $11.9 billion from, billion. from selling those shares. Ew, yes. Yeah. So they've, they've got an extra $12 billion in the bank now Good on top God. of whatever they had left over from their previous fundraising rounds. Was so that what they I thought? I think going to be okay for a while. Was that what they expected for their IPO? Do you know what the num- the expectation was? Uh, actually, it was more. It was more. They were originally projecting so about sixty under. billion as the valuation. And they came uh, in with eleven no, o- point over. Well, over. No, eleven point nine was what they what their that was their takeaway. That's what they take away from the table after selling the shares. The market okay. cap they were projecting was going to be sixty billion. It and turned out to be uh, seventy eight billion instead. Seventy eight. So they beat it. Good for them. So much yeah. money for twelve cars, uh, and then it went up, <laughs> went yeah, went up from there. Um, I think the last time I checked, yeah. So it closed up twenty nine percent. So so if you uh, had Rivian stock, clo- you made it, a tidy little chunk of change today. Yeah, it went. It bounced up twenty two dollars and seventy three cents from its opening price. So yeah, it uh, it's it's doing okay. They'll they'll be all right. They'll be okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, uh, hopefully they'll be okay. I mean, you want to say they are, but you never know. Like, I, and I think they're going to be okay. I mean, the, I, yeah. I don't have I, any sense that, like, they're in great trouble or their product isn't going to be what it should be. But you, it's the weird thing is, like, you watch companies sometimes burn through obscene amounts of money due to mission. Like, obscene amounts of money. Like, how could they possibly? Oh, wait, the money's gone. Okay, I all guess they're done. gone. They did some crazy thing. It's always like some, some crazy, stupid thing. The people yeah. who were running the place were like, oh, we got all this money. Let's just buy lots of. No, exactly. no, 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 no. Don't, you don't buy this stuff. Hold on to the money. You're going to need that money. You don't need $15,000 chairs. You don't need a, uh, uh, you know, a, a gold uh, or diamond encrusted foosball table. You but, need but you need yes, you need factories right. to build cars, and you need to pay people a living wage. That's you what you diamonds, need. Diamonds, diamonds on any everything, and sapphires and gold plating, gold plated desks, gold plated no. office chairs, gold plated Keurig in the coffee room, all of it. Buy the things you need to build the thing, and pay the people who are building it a, a good wage, and you'll be fine. 
Oh, look at you being all reasonable. Bad. I know. I know. That's why I'm not in charge of any companies. Well, no. If you had a, <laughs> if you had $11.9 billion in the IPO, then we would be confident that you would survive. Because <laughs> you're not boy, buying a gold-plated <laughs> curry. <laughs> not yet. Not. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of many billions of dollars. Uh, there was a story uh, in Automotive News. Uh, actually, I guess it was from Reuters. <clears throat> uh, they... Uh, added up the total amount that's been committed in investments from automakers uh, for EVs. Uh, three years ago, when they did this, uh, their analysis showed that automakers were planning on spending $300 billion. This is you know, all, the, all the automakers globally. Spending about $300 billion to develop EVs, retool factories, uh, build battery plants, and so on. That number, since uh, 2019, or 2018, has climbed to $515 billion that they plan to spend this decade, uh, which, you know, given all the announcements we've heard about new battery plants and, and everything else, um, is not the least bit surprising. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on this? No, I mean, it's, it's surprising only in that, man, that's a big number. But the fact that it's a big number, not surprising. Like, you know that's where everything's going. You know that that's where the investment's going to be. And you know that... Whether you want to deny the future and, you know, have these super powerful ice engines in your car forever, that eventually you're going to have to say bye-bye. So making that investment makes a heck of a lot of sense. It's just to, to show how much is involved in it, like that it's $515 billion is, is shocking. But to know they're doing it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, there's a billion reasons why they should be doing it and $550 billion to make it happen. That's Yeah. Yep. That's a lot of money, though. Uh, And last one here is uh, about Cadillac. Um, I think earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, uh, we talked about um, Cadillac uh, had told their dealers, you know, after they announced the Lyric, that uh, they were going to have to spend a bunch of money to equip their dealerships to to handle EVs, uh, you know, for parts and for training and uh, equipment and tools. and they told their dealers, look, you know, we know that this is going to be a significant investment. It's probably going to be on the order of about $250,000 or more for every dealership to get ready for EV sales. And so they, they offered their dealers, their, all their dealers, uh, uh, a, a deal, <laughs> basically. A deal, and said, dealer deal. If you, don't want, if, if you don't want to make this investment, no problem. Um, you know, we'll buy back your franchise from you, you know, and you can go sell something else or close up shop or whatever. And they offered them, I think on average about, about $500,000, mm. uh, for their franchises. And, um, earlier this year, they announced that, um, uh, about 20% of Cadillac's dealers. And this was, um, you know, they started at 875 dealerships across the United States. Uh, they announced that about 20% of them were um, taking the deal and, and, and walking away. Uh, that number has now climbed uh, to one-third of their dealers. Uh, as they go into 2022, Cadillac expects to have um, 560 dealerships instead of 875. So about, uh, about 315 dealers are going away. But it's not actually probably going to make that much difference to Cadillac sales because those remaining 560 dealers account for about 90% of 
Cadillac sales. Um, so most of the ones that are selling back their franchises are probably dual dealerships with other brands, and they're just not selling very many Cadillacs anyway. Uh, so um, it's uh, you know it, it's going to be interesting. Even with 560 dealers, they still have uh, I think quite a bit more than Lexus. I think Lexus has about 400 stores uh, across the U.S. So um, it's you know at least those dealers that are left will be ready to take on uh, the Lyric and other EVs starting next year. Imagine you're, you're the guy who owns the dealership who's decided he's going to retire. And then one day, like, like right before you announce your retire, Cadillac's like, we'll give you $500,000 for your dealership. He's like, oh. Right? You're like, and I'm done. <laughs> How I'm long, is, this a, is this something where our dealership's still able? I know they said the numbers they gave were what they expected at the end of a year, I guess. But are dealerships still able to continue to take advantage of that and say, hey, you know what? We've been thinking about it. We're out. Or is that like the bleed has stopped, sort of? Like whoever's in is in um, now and whoever's out is out now. I, I don't know. Um, I suspect, you know, that if there's still some that haven't made I think most of them have probably made up their mind at this point. Decided what they want uh, to do. Because, yeah. you know, the lyric's just a few months away. So you have to have made a commitment um, you know, or not. And yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, if there if there's some that still want to get out, you know, I, I'm, I suspect that uh, GM will probably say, fine, you know, we'll buy you out. I'm curious if in the end, even though, like you said, it's the, the higher volume dealers are the ones that are staying and the lower volume guys are out. But you wonder if it's going to end up being net net truly better for Cadillac, because if you're getting rid of dealers that are smaller, that maybe aren't selling very much, that aren't great dealers, it might not necessarily have been creating the best customer experience for people who walked in who didn't end up buying a Cadillac at all and went somewhere else. And now if they do walk into a Cadillac dealership, it's the better ones that are left. So they're more likely to get a better, more premium experience and more likely to walk out with a Cadillac. I wonder. Yeah, because if there's four dealerships in your area and one of them just is really bad at selling Cadillacs and you go to that Cadillac dealer and they're also like like a Ford dealer or they're also like a Hyundai dealer or whatever. Exactly. they're just like, well, I'm just going to go over there. As opposed to now there's only three dealerships in your area and all three of them know how to sell a Cadillac and you show up and they're like, hey, And you walk right. out with the black. So, like, although know. they have they have less dealerships, but the ones that are they're left with are actually more capable of selling the vehicles, more vested in selling the vehicles, and you know fewer dealerships. But you know our our sales, per, you know, are not going to take the hit at all. You know, I wonder how that'll uh, shake out. We'll have to see. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's answer some questions from the listeners. The listeners. Hello, listeners. Uh, let's. Look- <laughs> Let's start off with Andrew Pappas. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> uh, how do I time buying my last manual transmission car? Currently have a Focus SE. Looking at a GTI and, and, or a Civic as the last two reasonable options. <laughs> I expect to be forced to go electric or hybrid, which will likely be auto only at some point. So when, when, when should uh, Andrew time, when should he get his last manual transmission car? I feel like, car? I feel like or at least his last new manual transmission car. I feel like you got some time, Andrew. There's still a lot of manual transmissions. I mean, a dwindling number, but they're still out there. We still have a lot of gas vehicles out there. They're not... I, don't, I feel like you could, like, okay, so what the average age of a car is something like 11, 12 years old. I feel like for the next 12 years, mm-hmm. we're still going to have cars with manual transmissions, and it'll be the good ones, like a GTI and a Civic, not like something that's not fun and sporty. I feel like you've got years. 
You could buy one today and they may be like one more. I don't know how long you keep your cars for. Yeah. I think, I mean, I was talking, I talked to somebody once about uh, manual transmissions and, and the take rates and, and, and where the only sort of area where manual transmissions are likely to stick around for long term are the, like the mid-level performance, you know, the, the GTIs, the Miatas, yeah. the BRZs, um, um, the Civic, I think, is probably going to lose its manual transmission outside of the R, um, you know, quicker, sooner rather than later, just because at some point the take rate on, on those isn't just too not, low. Yeah, it's going to be too low. So if you, as long as you're fine, you know, and if you're a fan of fun little hot hatches or fun little yeah. convertibles or something like that, I think the manual transmission is going to be around for, for, for quite a while. Um, yeah. So I think if, if you're looking at, like, Anything else, though? I mean, even the 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 you know the two series has lost its manual transmission, and that that, yeah. that that's that's a tough one right there. That one was like, oh, yeah. Uh, if, it's was, little, if it's if it's a hot hatch, you've got plenty of time. If it's yeah. anything else, it's, I wouldn't. It could be. It, it's gone. gonna. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're gonna for this world. Maybe yeah. maybe a few more years for those. Because people aren't. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's people just aren't buying them. That's all there is. They to can't it. keep them if no one's buying them and no one's buying them. Yeah. You know. If five percent of the people are buying them and they're like, it well, why no are sense. we making all these cars? Why do we have these? Yeah, yeah. It's it's mostly the yeah, like I said, the, yeah, the, the enthusiast vehicles. You know, Honda was the last one to offer a manual in a midsize sedan, you know, and they dropped that from the Accord last year or 2019 uh you know and they've reduced availability of manuals in the civic uh in the current generation um so you know I, I, they'll be around for a few more years you know i think you know like you said you know sporty cars like the miata brz gr86 mustang uh, will probably continue to offer uh manual for probably you know at least through most of this decade yeah <clears throat> or at least as mm-hmm. long as those cars are in production. Um, but, um, you know, some, I mean, like the Corvette, you can't get a manual in a Corvette anymore. That's true. And, um, of, most of the high end sports cars, you can't get manuals oh, anymore. Yeah. They're, they're all DCTs or something I like that. You never think of like, you still have a hot hatch. You can get a nice little manual transmission in, but if you want a manual in a super fancy, expensive car, you can't get good it. Good luck with that. Well, Somehow I mean, that, that group has said kick, like, kicked it to the curb and gone with, you know, the dual clutch situation a lot more quickly than little hot hatch guys have. I think the hot hatch people are actually better drivers, though. You're probably right. That's the, that's, the, that's, that's what it kind of comes yeah. down to. They're, yeah, they're you typically, consider who, who can actually afford yeah. to buy the supercars? That's true. I, I, that's I, someone true. in their, their teens and 20s, you know, those, those, those kids are, you know, they still want to like, yeah, run, 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 run. And then they get their 30s or 40s, and they still want to, want to go sp- fast. Roberto, you were spot on with your car noises tonight. I just was I'm like, killing again, it. That was, you're killing it, man. Killing with the car noises. <laughs> but you know, the, the, but once you get in your 30s and 40s, and you want a BMW or you want a Lexus, but you want something still a little sporty, but you you kind of don't want to shift gears anymore. You got the kid in the back. You got, you know, the dog licking your. You got all these things going on. You just kind of want to get at the end of the day. You still want to go fast, but you're just like, I just can't deal with your your left foot hurts from from traffic <laughs> <laughs> you pull a muscle <laughs> you pull you're pulling your muscle your knees like, oh, yeah. my leg, it's hurting you're getting older knees. now i understand why people are move away from from manual transmissions so as long as we have a group of younger folks who still learn how to drive a manual 
we're good. Yeah, teach your kids. I don't want to. I, I I I never want to see someone saying, "Oh, millennials don't know how to drive manuals," or, or "Gen Z doesn't know how to drive." Hey, are you teaching them to drive manuals? No, then shut up. <laughs> so I try. I try to teach my younger daughter. My kids. And it was it was a it, it was a torturous experience, and I never got a chance to teach my older daughter. But then some kid at college had a car with manual transmission and she learned how to drive one. I'm like, okay, well that works for me. <laughs> See, I taught my wife to drive a manual transmission. <laughs> That's even better. Her and her dad, right? her dad and her, they tried and it didn't, didn't work out. I think parents teaching is, is, is well, um, but I taught my wife and now she drives a manual transmission until her, go. and not, but well now she drives an EV, but she knows how to drive a manual transmission. See, that that's was, what matters. We got the BRZ because she wanted a manual transmission fun car. Oh, there you go. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Next up from Coach Cabrera. Um, it's frustrating watching companies continue to raise prices on EVs. What happened to making them affordable for the non-luxury buyer? They only seem to want to go to old tech and batteries like Tesla announced to make them affordable. Um, well, the only company that I've seen raise prices on their EVs is Tesla. Yeah, uh, they just raised their prices on on a Model Three again oh. last week, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the cheapest Model Three now is something like close to forty three or forty four thousand dollars. Wow. Um, you know, so you know, the, not that they ever really sold the 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 so called thirty five thousand dollar Model Three, but yeah, they they've been steadily raising their prices. Um, most of the others, I, I have not seen any price increases. You know, they've been holding steady. Um, as far as I know, are you aware of any other price increases on EVs? I haven't, I mean, I haven't specifically seen them, but, but you know what, not out of line with what every other automaker does. You know, if it's just a, you go from the 2021 Altima to the 2022 Altima, you might have a little price increase here and there, but it's not like it's jumped drastically. So from what I'm seeing, most of them are just kind of taking the average, like every year cars get a little bit more expensive, unless there's... Unless there's something, like they've offered something significantly more. There's crazy range, crazy interior. There's a reason for it, but not sort of arbitrarily. I feel like there's still a good range of affordable options out there. If you just want to get into one and you want it to be cheap, there's there's choices. And if you don't care and you have the money, there's choices at that end too. I'm not the choices you have with the gas engine, but you've got choices. Um, and, the, and there the will Kona be a went lot down. more choices coming. Did the Kona go down? Yeah, we bought the Kona, and it went down before. Before we we bought like the price went down. The new design came out, and we bought it like four days later. I'm like, how well, now it, how much did it go down, Robbie? Oh gosh, uh, let me see the Kona electric. Hold on, I think it was a couple thousand. Oh, a couple thousand. I think you're saying like four fifty or something. You know? Oh no, price. No, and, and when, when GM launched the the refreshed Bolt earlier this year, they dropped the price on that by five thousand dollars. Oh yeah, price. yeah. There was. There uh, was Drop in price, uh, yeah. and and there 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 are other other EVs coming uh, in the next year or two that will be significantly cheaper. Like GM uh, has promised uh, an Equinox sized uh, crossover that should be priced around thirty thousand um, dollars. That should wow. maybe be up by uh, end of next year or sometime in early part of twenty twenty three. I think uh, for that car. Um, and there, there's, there's other stuff coming. Uh, I don't think we've seen prices yet for stuff like the Hyundai Ionic 5. Um, have, they, have they announced any pricing for that yet? I don't remember pricing, I don't but so. I bet uh, we'll know by, we should know by the middle of December, I bet. So get another month. Yeah. It's not out. Because we'll it it's going to be going on sale. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, that's um, not that far off. So, you know, those, 
Yeah, yeah, those will probably be starting somewhere in the the like thirty five to thirty seven thousand dollar price range. So there there is stuff still out there. You know, I, I, you know, aside from Tesla, um, nobody else has been really upping their prices by any significant amount. Now there is one factor that could cause some price increases, uh, and that is the price of lithium uh, has mm-hmm. almost tripled in the past year uh, because of demand. Um, and that could drive increases in battery prices. Um, but aside from that, no, nothing else so far. The, the Kona went down $3,000. 3000 wow. Three okay. grand. That's that's, good. that's a good. But I, I think and there's. it's not like it's a super expensive car to begin with. That's yeah, a good chunk of money. Yeah. So, yeah, it went down 3000 So, yeah, they're, they're going down. I, we, so, still need a, we still need a mid you know, $20,000 EV. That's what we need because yeah, 30, anywhere in the 30,000 mark, that's, that's a lot of money for a car. That's, I mean, oh, yeah. that's still, that's still, that's, that's tough to, to sort of, to, to, to first people who need to buy a car. And, and if $30,000 is tough, that means that's probably your only car. So we need cheaper cars. I think, you know, Volkswagen says they're working on it. Everyone's, everyone wants to come out with a less expensive car. They just got to get battery prices down. And then the lithium thing is going to like mess them up for a little oh, while. Yeah. That's going to screw everything up. But, um, yeah, it, they'll, they will come down as battery prices come down and as, you know, the economy of scale, blah, blah, blah. You know, the more they build, the cheaper it gets to build them, blah, blah, blah. So they will come down for the most part. Most of the industry has been dropping prices on their sort of entry level, Except for Tesla. The end. Yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> All right. Next up from uh, ZBM, or depending on where you're from, it might be ZBM. Um, I'm trying to understand the automotive media's obsession with horsepower and torque. He's, he says that as though there's something problem with, some problem with being obsessed with horsepower and torque. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so, some of the most engaging vehicles I've owned were underpowered manual vehicles, such as air-cooled VWs, early 80s diesels. Uh, I've since owned uh, recent 911s and plug-in hybrids. Smiles and on-ramps survived and all. So what do you say to this comment about our, our supposed obsession with horsepower I don't necessarily think it's an obsession, but I mean, like, if you're going to describe a car and its power, to have some kind of benchmark to say it is a powerful car or not... If I just say it's powerful, it gets on on ramps well. What like I need more than that? Like the number gives you some quant. It lets you quantify. You can say all the things you want, but if you at least say this is a 100 horsepower car, you have an idea of what you're looking at. If you say this is a 700 horsepower car, you know that's at the higher end of the range. I think it just gives people something. A number just helps quantify it. I don't think. I mean, we all like all the horsepower, but I don't think it's an obsession. I think it is truly a good way to sort of give consumers an idea of, you know, are you looking at a sports car? Are you really looking at one? Or is this just a sedan? It helps. It's a, it's a, it's a consistent metric. Well, for the most yes. part, you know, because you also have to, you have to factor in weight, et cetera. Um, Which is but, what the rest of your story does. Like yeah. you say 700 horsepower, but it weighs, weighs a ton. or 9,000 pounds. Hor- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you quantify it all. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah. Um, but I, but the, the, I, I'm going to say this. It's funner to, slow, to drive a slow car fast than a fast car, than a fast car fast. That's all there is. Yes. It's the, that's why the Miata. A fast car slow. A fast car slow. Um, a Miata, the BRZ, the FR86, all those vehicles, they're, they're great. They're wonderful cars. They're not, they're, and people will continue to tell you that the Miata and the, the Scion and the BRZ, whatever you want to call it, um, they're underpowered, et cetera. But drive them. 
They're just so much fun to drive. And I think that's, I think your, your enjoyment out of a vehicle doesn't always correspond with the idea that you need a lot of power to, to enjoy a vehicle. I think it's, it's really comes down to the vehicle. Cause you can get a giant SUV with a ton of horsepower. It doesn't mean you're going to have fun driving it. Right. And I do think, I think we all kind of say that, yeah. like what you just said, Roberto, people will say like, okay, it, sometimes it's not about the horsepower. Like this is the horsepower. It's speedy. It's quick. It moves, but good gravy. This is just fun to drive. And it's not the horsepower, you know? And, and you'll find that, you know, despite the fact that we, you know, we do frequently talk about power and torque, you know, a, a significant proportion of, you know, automotive journalists do in fact own cars like Miatas, BRZs, you know, 86s, um, you know, older uh gtis you know even you know even you know like second and third gen gtis yeah um or air-cooled vws you know or a, a lot of older cars that don't have much power uh yeah you know, i mean it it's it's always an adrenaline rush to get in something with 700 horsepower you know and you know hear that big supercharged v8 roar uh but you know the the reality is like you said i mean you can do that once in a while, but you can't do it all the time uh, and, you know, still, you know, be reasonably responsible on the roads uh, and, like or, you know, or, you know, risk, risk losing your license. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of, it is kind of pointless to, to have that much performance. It is, yeah, you do. I, I do. That find said, my... when I, when I, whenever I get an opportunity Whenever I get an opportunity to drive something like that on the track, I, I do like to take advantage of it. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, exactly. The track, it's like whenever I get a supercar, and I have a supercar at home, it's just like, what am I doing? Like, what's the point? <laughs> I mean, I can, you know, you can only go up to a certain speed because I, I, I'm, I I'm not going to drive like a bat out of hell on public roads because, A, it's unsafe, and B, it's it's ridiculous. You're not, that's not what that car is for. If you get, if you're able to go to the track, then I'm like, oh, wonderful. I get to drive a, you know, a Lamborghini on a track or I get to drive, you know, something amazing on a track. But in real life, like a lot of power, you're just doing a lot of power from one stoplight to another. <laughs> mm -hmm. How fast can you get to the next Which stoplight? Not as much fun as it sounds. No, it is not. All right. Uh, ZBM also had another question said, I'd also like to hear your input and taking my interest in all things automotive and investing in it. Um, not my nest egg, but trying to take my interest and maybe make something <laughs> out of it. Uh, Lucid Rivian, not asking for financial advice, just interested in thoughts. Um, I'm uh, going to take a pass on this one. Okay, here, I'll, I'll take a crack yeah. at it. Yep. Invest in the automotive things to which you find interesting and appealing. Do your own thing. Yeah, I can't yeah, give just, automotive. I, I can't know. give advice. I, investing advice, man. I'm going to tell you I, invest in something. I feel like I'm a, it's illegal for me to say something about investing in advice. I know. Can't we? Can't we yeah, get, I mean, get I, fired and sued? And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have any holdings in any of those actually in any individual companies including any automakers or suppliers or anything else uh, because it would be given my role as an as an analyst and the information I have it would uh, almost certainly be unethical and probably illegal uh, so I just don't even bother yeah. investing in anything I like don't that. have any 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 money with anybody 
um, for ethics reasons. I, I have yeah, a 401k. I, like I don't know what it's on. I, it's, I don't know who, what I think. Just some index I think, funds. I think right. there's some real estate stuff in there. I don't know. You know what? It's, it's, it's one of those things. Somewhere in there, there, there could be in those giant 401ks, something automotive, but I, it's, it just, yeah, you can't. It's, you can't do that. Yeah. Do that. We're not, Sam, why'd you put this question in here? We can't do this. We can, this is invest our, in what just, you like. Just say that we can't do it. investments in the things you like, and, and we have no say in it. You don't know, invest you like in pogs. If you think it's good, yeah. go for it. Or beanie babies. Beanie <laughs> don't invest babies. in pogs or I beanie babies. I hear this company that just had an 11.9 billion IPO. Maybe look at them. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We, yeah. And there's like SEC, there's insider trading. There's all this I stuff know. that How many laws would we break if we actually did that face on our with the quote insider information we have. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah, yeah. and that was how we had the last episode of Wheel Bearings. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure there's somebody. There's that really crazy guy, Jim Cramer. Is that his name? With the buttons and the yelling <laughs> yeah. and the. I don't oh, is know. he the guy who yells and screams like, "This yeah. is what you have to buy this week"? Yeah, yeah maybe. Is it I Jim don't Kramer? I think. I think it is Kramer. I think you're right. I think that might. He's be. saying to watch yeah. him giving financial advice. Look what you've done, Roberto. Just, just <laughs> I don't know. Ask other people. <laughs> Ask other people, not us. You I mean, look too far in the industry to be able to give that yeah. kind of advice. Yeah, I, I was, I was certainly. You know, convinced that Tesla was never going to be worth a thousand dollars a share. So what the hell do I know, it's, right? Isn't it up at like twelve right. now too? I think it's like at twelve hundred almost. Uh, that was a couple of days ago. It dropped like twelve percent yesterday. Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, last question comes from Daryl. Uh, is Sam pleased with BMW taking away the touchscreen? Seriously, how does the chip shortage affect vehicle features this much, and will it devalue those vehicles in the secondhand market? So if, for those who haven't heard, uh, yeah, BMW announced the other day that on, uh, I think on the 3 Series and 5 Series, um, they were, for the foreseeable future, they were no longer going to have touchscreen capability. So the, for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, um, you know, they've, they've, BMW still had their iDrive controller in the center console, but they've also added touchscreen capability. So you can do it, you can interact with it however you want. Um, and the, because of the chip shortage, they've stopped, uh, they, they, they stopped putting in the controllers that enable the touchscreen. Uh, so now you have to interact with the iDrive controller. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen, uh, other manufacturers, you know, dropping other features like GM, uh, for example, recently said, um, Super Cruise is not going to be available for a few months uh, because of the chip shortage. Um, there's there's been other features that have been dropped. Uh, yeah, I mean it it probably will have some effect on these specific models. You know, resale values of these specific models. How much? I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if somebody's buying a used 2021 BMW. You know, three years from now. And it doesn't have touchscreen capability in it. They they might not want might not want to buy it or not pay as much yeah. for it. Like, what is this a Mazda? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> what is this a Mazda? It's just like a Mazda. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's just like an older BMW. I, I kind of wish they could have found because touchscreens are so integral to like what people do now. Everything is a touchscreen. That's something people just. At this point, they just want or have like every car has has some sort of touchscreen. So that as that was the choice. There's like, oh, 
So not another thing. I mean, I guess you know that's that's the that's the chip they couldn't get. But I wonder how many of those they'll actually sell. I wonder if they're just like mm-hmm. holding off on building them until people order them, and they're like, hey, sure, we can build you one, but you're not going to be able to touch the glass. I mean, you can still touch it, but nothing will happen. Nothing. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in, in some cases, you know, depending on what the features are, you know, manufacturers are going ahead and selling them without those features. Other stuff, you know, they're just putting the cars in storage until they until they have the parts and then they'll ship them. That's what uh, Ford and GM have been doing with a lot of pickup trucks over the last several months. Mm-hmm. There's lots full of thousands of F-150s and Silverados scattered around southeast Michigan uh, and other locations. Uh yeah, you know, just waiting for chips. So you got to spin up. That's that's what right. that person should invest in. This week. Building a foundry. That person should invest in building a foundry. There yeah. you go. There you go. You're going <laughs> to be a big Yeah. You're going to be a bazillionaire. <laughs> just go out and build a foundry with that money you were going to use. <laughs> yeah. It'll it'll only cost you about five billion dollars up front nice. to build a foundry, but then you will have people banging your door oh. down to uh, to get you to build them chips. You'll make that money back in the first week. I guarantee it. I don't guarantee it. I don't know how <laughs> that works, but you're going to make your money back pretty quickly. All right, uh, that's that's all we got that's for this it. time. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.